Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. One more time. Around the rodeo or something like that. Um, FixedNation.com. Coming to you one more time in this hundred hard days toward the election of 2016. Um, what's tonight? Tonight I would be talking about entitlements. Oh, holy crap. Where to start with this one? Um, entitlements. Well, first off, let's get the house cleaning out of the way. FixedNation.com, uh, in case you've never joined us before, is solution-based. Um, started about five years ago. And kind of grew into a few books and a website and Twitter and radio through Blog Talk, through iTunes, through Stitcher, Um it's just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, why do I do it? Um, I'm, I was got really frustrated politically. Um, did not like leadership, did not like direction, did not like the fact that people tend to, to whine. I'll call it moan and complain, but you can read between the lines what I actually wanted to say. Um, it, it's not enough to rant about what doesn't work. If you truly want to be someone who's part of the solution, you need to say, hey, listen, this is what doesn't work. This is what I think what would work. You've got to bring some ideas to the table, a solution to the problem. Don't just voice a problem. Any chucklehead can vent, vent about a problem. Anybody can tell you what's wrong with something. But what are you going to do to fix it? Fixthenation.com. Um... Let's segue into leadership for a minute before we get into actually entitlement conversation. I, leadership to me, when you talk about an election for 2016 for the presidency, etc., you know, the fate of the world, well, it's probably not that big, but it's big to us because leadership takes you down a road. It might take you down the road you want. It might take you down the road you do not want. It might take you down the road blindly. It might luckily fall down a path and road. It might go down a path because of the lack of leadership. There are a whole bunch of of differences that can happen to change the direction of a country. Is someone a true leader that unifies or an ideologue that demonizes and divides? Question mark. Are they someone who gets things done? Or are they someone who talks about getting things done? Are they a doer? Or are they in it for them and just want to get paid and powerful? It takes all shapes and sizes, right? We have, to me, an enormous, huge, gaping vacuum of leadership in Washington, D.C. 
I think that's why this particular year, the election of 2016, has taken on, and I've watched politics since the 70s. I've been interested in following politics. I look at this year and go, we've never seen anything like this. Both parties had a huge anti-establishment uprising. Almost knocked off Hillary, and it absolutely knocked off every single formidable, learned, established, money-backed, pack-backed, legacy candidate from the Republicans. So now you're down to two. It's a binary choice. And here's the weird part. You have Hillary, who is in fact the establishment, is absolutely status quo, has absolutely been there, done that. And then there's Trump, who is absolutely not the guy who is establishment and not the guy who is a polished politician. And he is not the guy who is called the been there, done that guy. He has in business. He has not been in politics. This is his first rodeo. And he's take to, he has taken some lumps, no doubt. But the question brings to the table is, is this something that the change was in the primaries, but the general election is, oh, we're going to play it safe. Hmm. Safe. Now we need to discuss the term safe. Well, why? Why do we discuss the term safe? That's, a, that's an easy word. Well, let's depends. Let's talk about entitlements. What's safe about entitlements? Is safe your version that touch a thing? We just don't change one little thing. We just let it run its course because, hey, we're all good in the world. I want mine because he had his and she'll have hers. Um, okay, that's one way of safe. What if safe is, oh, I don't know, solvency, a non-bankrupt form of Social Security? where it doesn't run out of money. What if that's what safe means? What's safe in the origination, like where it came from? Because it's been changed seven or eight times in a huge way to become something it was not meant to be. It was never designed as a retirement plan for 100% of the population. That is not the design of it. But it's become that. And if we can't afford it, is that still safe? If you take something away that's always been there, is that safe? Which of the two is more dangerous? Having something that won't be there or taking something away that already is there? I'm not trying to talk in riddles, I promise. But it is a complicated topic. It's also, by the way, an extremely emotional one. Oh, how dare you take mine? I've paid into it all of my life. I deserve it. Whoop, I want you to remember that word. Deserve it. Hmm. 
entitlement. I am entitled to it. Hmm. By who? Who are you entitled to it by? As a human, you're entitled to breathe air. You're entitled to death. What else are you entitled to on this planet? Happiness? No. Money? No. Three squares a day? No. What else are you actually entitled to? Well, have kids. You're not entitled to that. No one says you have to or, or, or must. You're not obligated. And you definitely can't have it if you force your will on somebody. You're not entitled to that. So our entitlements aren't really that broad in life. But entitlements in this way is something that we've been told all of our lives. And I am past 50. I look at this and I go, you know what? I asked a question way back when I was a teenager. I asked about the baby boomers then. And I was a teenager. Mommy, how are you going to pay for these people? That's a huge chunk of things. How did I have so, you know, so trippy, all these people? She kind of looked at me. I still don't have the answer, by the way. But that's kind of my point. Now we're in the, the, the world of all the baby boobers are retiring, and all the people behind me have under work, meaning they don't have enough work for what they would like to work because they're part-time jobs, not enough full-time jobs. It's just, how do you pay for this? Because the clock's ticking. The Social Security Administration says we will, in fact, go bankrupt in 13 to 14 years, meaning Social Security Trust Fund. It will, it will be tapped out. So now what do you do for money? Talk about running a deficit. Woo! Right? Not only are you not going to have enough money to pay out, but now you are full throttle creating money to pay out, or you just simply stop paying out. And you think we have problems now with the national debt. Whoo! Right? So it comes down to choices versus entitlements. And part of what I think we all need to understand in the election of 2016, as we sit in a room by ourselves, we think through where we need to go. There's two leaders on the table. And one is going to stay the course, not change a damn thing, in fact, just make it worse. And one will, in fact, bring change. Change is uncomfortable. It's like taking a risk. You know, oh, do I really want to start a new job? At least I know what this one is. I mean, I'm kind of miserable, but, you know, if I get a new job, you know, oh, what if that boss sucks? Oh, okay, fine. I'll just stay here. Something like that. See, to me, sometimes change is a really good thing. Wow, I'm going to get a new car. Wee! But then again, do you want to buy a bigger house? Because that's a bigger mortgage, right? Now stress comes with it. New cars, wee! Bigger houses, oh. 
as you move up the corporate ladder, what happens? You take on a little bit more risk each level. It might be more rewarding, but it also has a downside. Decisions happen faster. You can lose your job easier, higher up, because they expect you to perform and get out. Down the ladder, eh, not as much. So entitlements, do we change or do we stay? And it's not a tough, it's not, a, it's not an easy decision. It's definitely nothing. If you, are, if, you are, if you're a leader, and this is where I fault Washington, and I'm talking about fault them for 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 years, generational of politicians. How in the name of all that's holy can you kick the can for 50, 40, 30, 20 years? to bury us behind the eight ball with entitlements when fixing it 50, 40, 30, 20 years ago would have been so outrageously easy. But, you know, hey, not my problem. That'll just happen someday down the road. The kick the can was done by the politicians, and the kick the can means that we've got to pony up in some way, shape, or form. We have to pay more for it to keep it or... We need to take less when we get it. Something like that. Now, I'm not saying which direction we need to go. I will say this. To me, I think the decision's already been made. I don't see how we can keep it the way it is. I can't see it. Because how you, what you'd have to do to fix it at this point in time would kill our economy and would burden us too much for the wrong reason. And we don't have a strong economy at this point in time, let alone a global economy. So, besides having to excite our economy, we can't take an economy we need to excite and put an additional big burden on it. And if we kick the can one more time, clock's ticking, folks, 13 12, 10 years, more time ticks off. 9, 8, 7, 6, getting close, right? 5, 4, oh, wait, can I go back? No, you can't go back now. 2, 1, oh, game over. Mom, can I have more tokens? I want to play this whole entitlement game again. No, honey, sorry, we're out of money. Clock's going to tick, and trust me. 13, 14 years, it sounds like a long time. It's really not. It flies. It flies. Think about it this way. You put Hillary in office, she'll probably get reelected. That's eight years. Eight years, and she's not going to change a damn thing. You know what's going to happen, right? We'll be five years away from bankruptcy in a lot, less, lot worse than we'll probably be $30 trillion in debt at that point in time with the way she's going to spend. The economy will be worse because she wants to raise our taxes. Jobs will be worse, which means the money to security will dry up faster. So we're probably talking 13 years, not 14 years. So we'll be five years away from insolvency, $30 trillion in debt, 
and some chucklehead's going to stand in front of me and say, well, let's fix it now by raising taxes. Really? You're going to raise taxes in five years to fix it? Can't do it. At that point, it's a fate complete. Game over. Turn the page, move on. But here's the thing that people don't understand. If you are, eh, I'm going to say, my age or younger, we're the people that are really, really upset and should be. Everyone older than me is going to get theirs. They'll already have their hand in the kitty. Everyone older than me, about eight years. No, more than that. By about 20 years is getting money that they did not even pay enough to get back on. They underpaid and are being over-rewarded. I don't fault them. It's the way the system's set up. We didn't hit the break-even point until about eight years ago. So everyone said, oh, I want to get mine back. Well, the, hold on. You got a lot more than what you put into it back. Can I have that money back? Because right now you're getting paid and I won't get anything. I'll get zero. Or if I get anything... It's because my kids will be buried, buried in about $50 trillion in debt. And no offense, I'm not doing that to them. So something's got to give unless we're going to bury our next generation, bury them in debt. And you think national security takes on things like cyber warfare or terrorism? You think that's national security? Try handing someone a business that's $50 billion in debt with low sales and no future. What's that business worth when you hand it over to that new CEO or that new group of employees? Not much. Probably not worth the paper the letterhead's written on. Why? It's $50 billion in debt. And that's just one little corporation. You'd be better off filing, opening a brand new business, and starting from scratch. Here's the problem. We're the lead nation in the entire planet. We have a responsibility as the reserve currency to all the other nations, to the number one consumer nation on the planet, to the one that has an $18 trillion GDP versus the next highest being $11 trillion. Given the fact we're so big, so much, and have so many things working for us, why can't we get our house in order? Sorry if I sound frustrated, but it comes down to leadership, right? Because leaders don't make tough choices. They don't want to say it the way it is. Hillary doesn't. She just blatantly lies. She won't even admit anything. She won't confront anything. She used that lawyer speak that makes me crazy. What is, is. Remember that? That was the husband. And I'm not trying to be cynical or mean. It's just, I don't want that from a leader. Stand in front of me and tell me what is, and let's deal with it. You make a mistake, say you did, move on. If you can't do something, tell me you can't do it. But tell me what you can do or what you want to do. And both these politicians, 
and I use that term loosely with Trump, need to stand and talk about what issues are there, tell us why they're a problem, give us their solution, and then start working on delivering that once they get elected. Because don't sell me that you're going to create 5 million jobs, and the day you get, you know, you're sworn in, you forgot you ever mentioned jobs. Because that bugs me greatly. Anyway, entitlements. Here's the problem. You've got 80.5% of our budget consumed in entitlements plus defense. Most, if not all of us, would say defense, although it's the largest on the planet, is about as tight as you're going to get it without compromising our national security, which, by the way, is our number one concern as an electorate this year. I ran a poll. National security, number one. Immigration, number two. Economy, jobs, number three. In that order. Bing, bang, boom. National security, number one. Real tough to sell that to the, uh, the people that you're going to downsize the military, downsize defense, get cheap with our national security. Good luck, because it's not going to be there. But you only have 19.5 left over. And I'm going to go down a curvy path to get to entitlements. Here's the kicker that nobody's talking about. I wrote about this back in 2012. It's called Interest on the National Debt. Back at that point in time, we spent just under 5.9, 6% of our federal budget on interest on the debt. Do you think about that? That was in 2012. That's back when rates were zero. We're going to call it zero for conversation speak. It might have been 0.25 or a 0.1. Let's just relax, folks. Interest on the debt, okay, 5.9%. As you raise the interest rates by the Fed, it gets more expensive. The price of money goes up. And what we've borrowed, $19 trillion and counting, $20 trillion and counting, that number goes up. So let's just be silly for a minute and pretend the economy goes up and we get rates up to a 1%, 2% vein. Here's the problem. The interest on the debt goes up. So the interest on the debt as percent of budget goes from 6% to 12% to 18%. You see the problem, right? We've already amassed so much money. Although it's free, it's not free because there's so much of it. And as it goes up even a little, it gets expensive really quick. Our budget doesn't get bigger, just the money that goes toward interest gets bigger. So where does that money come from? How do you account for a double in the interest expense? That extra 6%, 19.5 is discretionary. I mean, just whack it down to 13.5? Which of the four cabinet offices are you just going to obliterate and not fund? Just energy and interior? Just, just drop education? Etc. 
Like these, these are just Neanderthal approaches to budgeting. Going to walk in and just say we're just going to whack defense. You know, we'll just take a you know 150 billion right off the top, not even feel it. You don't think that'd be a little risky with America, especially in this day and age of terrorism almost every day? And there's only one little piece of the pie left. Shouldn't say little piece. One piece of the pie, which is a big, big piece, which is entitlements. What we need to understand is as the interest rate rises, there's only really one place to go to get big money quick without really hurting anybody directly. And hurt is a loose term. My, my overall comments can be everybody's going to have to give up something. You have to do more with less. But also you have to take a look at the economy itself. One of the things we need to do, and these are the leaders, and this is the decision we need to make. If you excite the economy and you lower taxes, revenue rises because you have lower monies, lower, lower tax rates on higher amounts of revenue. Kennedy did it in the 60s and won, made more money. Reagan did it in the 80s and made more money. That's Trump's plan, not Hillary's. Hillary's not going to do a damn thing except for raise taxes. She thinks that's a good thing because she wants big government and big money. Here's the problem. That's what slows down an economy. Have you seen the growth rate this year? 1.2%. Congratulations, we are now officially worse than Japan. If we're not careful, we're going to go right back into a recession. And walk me through how much extra money we have to spend on stimulus packages when we're already 19 plus trillion in debt and the Fed has a $4 trillion balance sheet. Let me say it again, $4 trillion. Before we start our lunacy of 2008, they were at $800 billion, $3.2 trillion later of debt. That's insane that they have that much. $23 trillion between the two of us between the Fed and our national debt. That's craziness. That's big money. And you want to raise taxes and slow the economy, which will kill revenue to pay it off. That's not a solution. That's suicide. Of course, then again, there are people who like to see us go down because starting from scratch to some people, they could write a new constitution, couldn't they? And that should scare everybody. Plan makes sense. Excite the economy, lower taxes, get more revenue overall, and start fixing some of these things. Because we're all making more money. We all have a bigger piece of it, and it makes more sense. We can start paying for things ourselves, as opposed to waiting for the government to hand us a check. I'm going to read you something in parting, which is something I wrote. This is from FixTheNation.com. I wrote it on Social Security. I haven't read it in a while, so we'll read it together. The Widows and Orphans Program, again, that's what it kind of started as, Social Security, in the early 1930s has morphed over the last approximately 80 years into a retirement entitlement for all Americans. It has been changed so many times over the years that literally lost track. Here's what you need to know. No one ever pays enough into what to take out. No one is legally entitled to us. It can be changed or stopped at any time without recourse. Completely true, by the way. 
No one has a political will to stop it, not one politician. Put it as a huge boulder tumbling down a mountainside. Would you stand in front of it, even if it was heading in a, toward a village to do damage? You get my political point. The reality is we cannot afford the current system, and we cannot do away with the current system. So what now? If you believe the current system, although flawed and mathematically devastating, should stay, then we need to make some structural changes. First, uncap the contribution level. The current cap is 106800 By the way, it's now up to 118000 but it's still tapped, uh, capped, like Medicare was back in the 1993, so that no matter how much you make, Social Security gets paid its percentage from the employee and employer all the way up the income scale. Raise the age requirement for all benefits to age 70. Eliminate or minimize the COLA, which is the cost of living adjustment, and call it a day. And then go cut aggressively in another area. If you believe the current system cannot stay, since it's overwhelming our financial resources and built on the premise of a growing population base, then we need to replace it. Remember, no one besides the truly wealthy are financially able to handle the burden of retirement costs. Most Americans need this Social Security money much more than they actually want it. Without it, they could not make ends meet for as long as they live with all the other tedious and ever-rising costs that come with an age like health care in, in general, pharmaceuticals in specific, com- commodities pushing oil, gas, food products higher still, and long-term health service, etc. Want to get some idea of how uh, cost controls have been handled and increased? And I go on and talk about specifics about how we've de- dealt with it since 1981. My point is, we have a history, folks, and we have a choice to make. Entitlements are brutally expensive. Go to FixNation.com. You can read more about Social Security and my solution for it. Um, again, 100 hard days toward the election. We've got about 89 left to go. Hopefully you're enjoying it. This is FixNation.com. Have a great life. God bless. Check me out on Twitter at FixNation. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.